Hello and welcome to the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here again with Aaron and Kyle. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, another great, amazing match last night, and you know, celebrating this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Aaron. Um, thank Tom, you, thank you very much. Not one yet, but uh, <laughs> it, it's been a nice Father's Day so far. Had a nice, uh, had a nice breakfast with the family, and the kids are in a good mood. And uh, yes, definitely. That's always good. I'm gonna be seeing my dad. My dad actually. He's at the U.S. Open right now and will be flying back from the U.S. Open shortly. So I'm going to be seeing him later tonight when he gets back to uh, to my parents' house. So I haven't said Happy Father's Day to him yet, but I'll get to in person pretty soon. Excellent. Yep, and I uh, I got to call my dad. He didn't answer this morning, but we're we're in a good mood with the Lakers news. Sorry for all the Suns <laughs> fans out there. What happened with that? I, well, we'll talk about that on a different podcast. It, it's it's the NBA version of Hazard going to Real Madrid. It's a big thing. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Uh, bouncing balls, I don't know. Um, he joined the Lakers with LeBron. A, a really good player. That's No one cares about that stuff. We are here to talk about Phoenix Rising. Um, big win over our rivals, Orange County, 3-0 this weekend. You know, we got the goal scoring started right away, and just one of the most impressive performances of this season. Yes, we have to do a sponsor read, but before we do that, what are your guys' just general takeaways from this result? Um, you know, overall, it was a, it was a pretty well-organized match. I heard some things uh, f- from the fans after the game and a little bit on Twitter about some passing issues and whatnot, but... Uh, in in terms of style of play, I, I think we were pretty consistent. I think we were pushed the we were pushing the ball forward more yesterday than we usually do. There was more forward passing uh, um, as opposed to uh, uh, side to side passing, and I think that that led to uh, several misconnections uh, because we were just trying to push so hard. But I'll tell you what the biggest takeaway was for me is the team's ability to press on the offensive end. Uh, you had all three forwards in uh, Calistri and John and Asante all really pressing the Orange County back line and causing a, a good degree of havoc. And and to be honest with you, I, I was really impressed. I, I made a note uh, about Calistri's pressing on, on uh, about the 36 minute. I mean, the guy actually has a lot of speed. Uh, and he, he's got some really good defensive awareness up on that to, to be up on the top line there. So I'd say the biggest thing for me is the institution of our offensive press, putting pressure on the uh, opposition back lines. Yeah, that's a great point, Aaron, because me and Dom actually saw that when we were in the match in the supporter section. I mean, there was a great press going on and it was just giving Orange County no time to make any decisions. And uh, it was it was something that was definitely noticed. Yeah, I mean, the the ability to keep Orange County to one shot on target in this whole match, and the defense has been making the hustle plays. You know, even when we were up 3-0, Joe Farrell making crucial slide tackles to prevent great chances for Orange County. Um, the pressure paying dividends and forcing OC into a lot of turnovers. Everything is clicking right now, and it's... You know, it's it's beyond I think what any of us could have envisioned for this season, especially especially without Kavan and Flemings to play that well. 
Yeah, and, and so watching the replay, and I saw it a little bit on the field as well, um, but also uh, the other th- thing that I really noticed pretty consistently is I'm starting to l- just love James Musa. I love what he brings to the table. He brings uh, some fire and some passion. Um, I think it you know, has the potential to get him into some dangerous situations, but he got beat up a couple good times uh, and, and gave it back, and he uh, just adds a spark uh, to that back, to that back line, and that defensive midfield, and that that um, um, I don't know that bring you know bring it on sort of attitude that James Musa brings. Uh, he's a great team player. I, I I really like seeing him on the field. Definitely. Yeah. No, it, Musa's. I mean, it, it's it's such a blessing to be able to have a player like Musa who. I mean, we've seen he hasn't been the starter in that position this season, but he's able to come in for Lambert and, I mean, just take over the role. And like you said, he's bringing his own little attitude to, to that, you know, midfield position. And it's it's such a great thing to see. And he really has become a leader, I think, in that midfield for us. So, Dom, here's a question for you uh, that I wrote down in my game notes here. Was this the best game so far for Mustafa Dumbuya? You know, it's... He had a very good game. It's hard for me to say that this is his best because his performances the last month or so, you know, even the last six weeks or so, have been miles above where he was the first month of the season. You know, it's it's hard to single this one out, although he did put in a great ball that led to our first goal in addition to his great defense and distribution um, and working harder than he did earlier in the season to break passes up but i don't know i would have to rewatch and really focus on duboya because in general it seems like his performances have been miles above where they were so it's hard to say that this was that much better than any of the other ones the last few weeks he spent so much time playing the high line uh you know first first and foremost you know where he was able to uh uh turn a cross into an own goal that was just i was barely walking into my my position where I typically stand to, to photograph um, when that ball came through. And that was a, just Kevin Alston had a terrible ma- match. Kevin Alston for Orange County on that uh, their, their team captain, uh, he was on tilt the whole night. He was just terrible. And I don't know what happened, you know, what necessarily happened with that. But he also did come off injured late in the match as well. But, yeah, I, I would encourage you, watch, watch and spend some time watching Dembuya. He just had a very, very good effort last night, and um, uh, as, as did so many other players. Definitely. Well, I'll do a quick ad read, and then we can dive right, right into this match because we got a lot to digest. Um as always, thank you to the Arizona Sports Complex located by the 17 and 101 freeways. Um, my dogs are barking their appreciation because they have leagues, you know, multiple sports for people of all ages. They also do birthday parties, corporate events. So go up there and let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you and get a discount on annual membership. And now we get to dive into this 3-0 win, you know, not too many surprises in the starting 11. I think the only one is Duigi Mala coming in. That was a little surprising, and yet, even though he picked up a card in this game, I thought he did a very good job. What were you guys' thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so Duigi Mala started uh, again. Um, uh, Coach Chance was asked about it in the postgame wrap-up, uh, talking about, you know, why A.J. Cochran is missing. He's still um, uh, still nursing some of that injury, um, but, but I think that Chance uh, is really getting higher on Mala and the effort that he's been bringing, bringing to the match. So we'll have to see if these two are going to end up being platooned on that back line. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll really just depend. I think I think this just does more confidence or gives more confidence to Rick Johnson that he has three center backs who can not only fight and win nearly any ball in the air or on the ground, but also distribute the ball. Um, I mean, it, Mala has stepped it up absolutely with his past two performances, but I I don't know. I think once Cochran's back, I think he probably does you know see a return as the regular starter just because he's been dynamite. But, uh, I, I mean, it's it's great to have this. I mean, it, we talked about it. We were kind of concerned about defense earlier on this year. So now we have three center backs. It's a position that, you know, we're not the deepest, but I think we still have enough depth there. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, anything to add there? Yeah, you know, I mean, in, other than that, we ha- this lineup is just fantastic. Um, playing in this 4-3-3 shape that we've been been playing in the past couple matches, it really shows and, and demonstrates our ability to move the ball around, our speed. We have our the outstanding passers in Bikiran Aguinaga, um, you know that that defensive midfielder in Musa, uh, and our the the speedy wingbacks uh, in Dumbuya and Dia. So I just don't see this 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 lineup changing too terribly much, uh, which is kind of unfortunate for some of the other players that that are that we've brought on in terms of you know whether it's Devin Vega or Ben Spencer uh even Colin Fernandez now that he's healthy I don't see him seeing the field too much again uh as, as so long as this lineup can uh can keep it together yeah I mean the the saying goes if it ain't broke don't fix it Fernandez was able to come on as a substitute but you're right we haven't seen Ben Spencer make an appearance in some time Devin Vega hasn't made the 18 the last few weeks and um you know congratulations to Devin Vega it looks like he's having another uh a baby girl which is awesome but he's been wanting for playing time and it looks like Rick Schantz has his guys and his guys are doing everything they need to do uh but it's looking like that lineup won't change too much with the exception of Reno on Tuesday I imagine we will see a lot of changes for that, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But let's let's go to the match itself. Yeah. So uh, as as we head into the match here, uh, we did see a little bit of sloppy play along the back line uh, with Lubin. I don't know, maybe getting their feet underneath them in the sixth minute that led to uh, um, you know kind of some some sloppy play. Uh, it led to a goal kick. Uh, which we played out of the back. Uh, Lubin played it up to Farrell. Farrell played it to Asante in the midfield, and, and, and Asante played it up to Dumbuya. And again, Dumbuya playing a, playing a real high line, moved up, uh, moved up the side very, very quick, uh, was able to show off that speed that he has. He uh, crosses the ball looking for, uh, I be- believe he, it was a Calistri that was in the middle, or was it John for that one? 
It was Kalistri. Yeah, he's he's looking for Kalistri in the middle, uh, and Alston makes uh, Kevin Alston, there the OC center back, makes a, just an awful play trying to stab at it with his right foot, and uh, puts an own goal in the uh, in the back of the net to start the match off. Uh, a, a little bit embarrassing for Kevin Alston in his in the leadership role, uh, but very solid work by Dembuya to move that ball up the side. Um, Essentially advancing two levels above his playing uh, his his normal playing area, so that was awesome. Uh, what kind of jeers? What was your favorite jeer from the student students? Or I mean, not the student segment uh, from the uh, the supporters back there. What were you guys uh, telling McLean, the OC uh, keeper? <laughs> I mean, well, we Dom... tried to do a, uh, a shame chant for a little. Yeah, bit. Dom started the shame chant. <laughs> That's I mean. It was you could just see after after that goes in, Alston turns and he's walking away and he's just shaking his head and and yeah, you talk about it being the captain, being the leader on the team, to make a mistake like that. Actually, looking back at the replay, it looks like the ball bounces off of near his chest and shoulder area. So it really was just unfortunate. I think the reason why Alston is going for that ball and in a bad position is Kalistri's late run that he's making. Alston, you know, doesn't want to let that ball get across him and possibly fall to Kalistri's feet or, you know, anywhere, his head, whatever. So I think that Alston almost did too much in that situation. And, yeah, it was unfortunate. And, you know, the Phoenix fans, we just loved it at that point. Six minutes in, up 1-0 against OC on an own goal. Um, I think Dom even tweeted it. We signed a Cincinnati OG player for this match, and it uh, showed up huge. (laughs) Um, You know... And that's a good point about it actually being off his chest because we were right there, right behind the goal. You know, it's a great cross whipped in with a lot of pace. And I am absolutely certain that Austin was trying to chest the ball back to McLean. Problem is McLean is guarding the far post because it might be going, you know, to uh, who was making the run on the far post for Phoenix on that play. Yeah, that was it. was John was going front post. Um, Kalistri went back post, yeah. Right, so so Alston's just trying to chest the ball back to the keeper, but I think he uh, directed it a little bit further to the side than he was expecting, and it was a bad idea from the get-go because the keeper was completely going the opposite direction. Um, you know, excellent finish, as the Phoenix Rising Twitter account said. <laughs> That's as big a burn as you'll ever see from Jose. That was amazing. Um and yeah, the perfect start. Well, it wasn't quite so perfect because uh, a few minutes later, later in the 13th minute, uh, Zach Lubin had to come up huge on a save after Joey Farrell gets burned. Uh, this this uh, featured also on, on the Phoenix Rising Twitter might show up as a save of the week. Uh, Farrell, Farrell gets burned. Lubin notices that Farrell's struggling, comes off his line, and puts his chest right where the ball is ball goes and is able to uh deflect the ball out there uh gave us a little bit of a start there uh you know if that was a flick flick up and over him that that would have put the game at 1-1 but Lubin comes up huge there um that particular play uh features in another statistic that we were uh we were texting about a couple minutes ago Orange County had one shot on target that was it the one shot 13th minute, rest of the game, no shots on target. Uh, so good on Lubin, great save. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that? 
it, it was a great save because, I mean, from the supporter section, even though we were on the far end, um, it was a clearly great opportunity for OC. I mean, Farrell just got beat, and it was one-on-one with Lubin, and Lubin came up huge. And, I, yeah, I mean, you'd say you'd have to look. I mean, I think it should be up for save of the week. But, I mean, <laughs> huge save, huge save, because, as you said, ends up being their only shot of the match. So the fact that he makes that save, especially when it's only 1-0, if, if it gets to 1-1, that gives OC hope. So, I mean, th- essentially this save, you know, clinched the match for us. So I think this was just, you know, huge for us to be able to get this big save early on. Yeah, it just it changes the momentum of the match. It keeps us in control. And, you know, if Orange County scores right there, now we're looking at a match that's we're battling back and forth. We're scraping tooth and nail. You know, maybe we're not feeling really confident in getting that second goal moments later. But Zach Lubin's been a rock for us. And, you know, he just just comes up with those plays almost every week, whether it's him or, or Carl. You know, I have so much faith in these goalies. I've never had more faith in Phoenix Rising's goalkeeping situation. And that includes the season when we had Carl and Josh Cohen battling it out. So, you know, just incredible stuff. And a lot of cars are going to be really nice and shiny because of it. It was probably the best Father's Day present ever because right after we're done recording the podcast, I'm off to Jackson's car wash to get my free car, car uh, my free car wash. Then I probably got to come back and get the van <laughs> and get that one washed too. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jackson's, for being a sponsor. Appreciate that. A uh, couple minutes later, in the uh, the the uh, 18th minute, uh, we see Solomon Asante. Uh, take the ball from the right side uh, at the 18 uh, at the 18 uh, 18 yard mark, uh, kind of in the corner. He's able to push the ball, kind of threads the needle between two defenders uh, toward Adam John. I had my camera at the ready, uh, focused right on John as he was he was approaching the ball, ready for him to take a shot. Instead of taking a shot, uh, he puts the ball off of a little bit of a back heel flick. Leaves it for Kalistri. Now, the interesting thing is you had Asante, John, and Kalistri both on the right side, uh, the right side over there. And Kalistri is able to uh, slide, slide a nice right-footed shot toward the back post to give him his first goal in a Phoenix Rising uniform. Uh, what'd you guys look, what were you guys looking at from, the, from uh, standing behind me a little bit higher? Uh, I mean, I mean, it was a good, it was a good buildup and a nice layoff by Adam John. I think he doesn't get enough credit for these nice layoffs. He've, I've seen a few of these this season, but McLean's got to make the save. I mean, it, it's a good shot. It's on target, and it's huge for Kalistri because this is his first goal with Phoenix Rising, and that's going to give him a huge boost. Very important boost going into two tough away matches, where he's going to be playing both most likely. Um, and starting in at least one of those. So that's awesome. But McLean has to make this save. I mean, he's just got to get down and punch it away. You know, I, I, I have all the confidence in the world that Lewin's not going to let that, that shot go in. Yeah, I'm with you, Dom. I mean, a great, 
great, you know, opportunity by Phoenix to create the opportunity. Adam John, I mean, just keeping the ball alive. His ability to hold up and just distribute the ball. Cheeky little back heel. And Kalistri, yeah, I mean, it is a good shot. But as you said, I mean, a keeper should be able to save that. It's a poor, it's a poor save or attempted to save by McLean. But Kalistri, I mean, fortunate to get the goal. And I really, I really think this is great for him. This, you know, should build his confidence. And as you said, he's going to see a lot of minutes coming up. So hopefully, you know, this is just the start and we can start seeing consistency out of him. Yeah, and, and a little bit of confidence as well. That's that's Kalister's only uh, – it's only his second goal uh, since June 9th of 2018. Uh, since that stretch, he did score uh, for St. Louis on uh, in, in September of 2018. But uh, the guy can score, and uh, he, we just need to get him rolling here. And it's, it's yeah. oftentimes when someone's in a drought, it's a finish like that that gets you going, you know. Or in, you know, if it's basketball, it's a, it's the shooter that gets a lucky bounce to uh, end that cold streak and get feeling confident again. You know, you just put it on target, make the goalie make the save, and sometimes good things happen. And, you know, 2-0 after 17 minutes is about as good as it gets. Yeah, and so in between the, that goal and uh, the end of the first half, things were a little bit rough. I, I was, uh, just as I had predicted or, or discussed last week, Orange County, is a, they are a tough team, whether you want to call them dirty or not. I'm not, I'm not sure that they're dirty, but they're a physical team. And they're, uh, in the 19th minute, very physical with James Musa. He was up in the air, ends up getting rocked as he's coming down, uh, catches, you know, or... Uh, uh, an upper arm or elbow spins around a little bit. Uh, in the 37th minute, the fo- uh, Orange County forward Vinicius, Vinicius uh, has a yellow card uh, for a very heavy challenge on Aguinaga. Um, you know, and, and the rest of the half, there really wasn't anything that occur- that I recall or that I've noted. Uh, on my replay uh, of note. Do you guys have any other notes for, for the first half? I think the only thing that pops out for me is that Vinicius' tackle, you know, some people were saying maybe that could have been a red card because it was a very, very strong challenge on Jose. And he was down for a minute or two, and we were super worried there for a second. And, you know, thankfully, it was okay. And it, it probably would have been harsh to get a straight red there, but, you know, it's just... Classic Orange County, they're, they're going to go in super hard and, and, you know, try to get away with it. And Yesterday, they didn't get any red cards, so I guess mission accomplished. But at the end of the day, if you just get through an Orange County match and not sustain any new injuries, that's a win because they, they definitely go in and they earn their yellow cards. Well, and we gave it back. They, they did have two yellow cards in the first half. Uh, we responded. We had two yellow cards in the second half. Um, with uh, uh, Mala earning one and Musa earning the other one. That Mala um, one was soft, though. Um, yeah. You know, on the replay, I, I got to tell you, So, and that's my next note. In the 50th minute, uh, uh, oh, no, no, that, that was a different one. Uh, 50th minute, Mala, I have a note, Mala pushes the ball from the back line. OC misplays it. Oh, yeah, the 50th minute, well, all right, we'll talk about Mala's yellow card in a minute, but everything did start with Mala on just an absolutely obscene Solomon Asante goal. Um, I had my head down at the, because the ball started 
started in our defensive half. Mala plays the ball, pushes it forward, comes up high. This is another one of those cases, just like last week, where you're like, why are they pushing the ball forward high in, into traffic? But O.C. just totally misplaced, misplayed that ball, and it falls at the feet of Solomon Asante, who's able to one-time it, put an, just a crazy amount of topspin on that, because that ball seemed to go up and come straight, up, straight down on the other side of the goalkeeper, Patrick McLean, falls in the back of the net, and here we have a ESPN top 10, uh, top 10 pick from uh, SportsCenter last night. Uh, guys... Did you even? I mean, it happened so quickly. Could you even? Did were were you even conscious that this was going on? Because <laughs> the ball was in the back of the net, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? No, we, I I saw it, but it was I mean unreal. I mean, like you said, the ball went up and just came right back down, completely chipped the keeper from 30 yards out, and I mean, and that's the thing. Aaron, that you go back to when when Mala plays that ball at first, you're like, what is he doing? You know, throwing the ball into traffic. But you know, Orange County, I think I believe it was Walker Hume, just makes a mess of it. Almost just steps over the ball, it bounces underneath him, up and just onto Solo's foot. And I mean, just what a goal! I mean, just unreal. And being recognized by Sports Center, I mean, all over on Twitter, four three three Bleacher Report. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. It's it seems like every week now we're getting one of these and it's i mean it is huge this is great and uh i mean it's just another amazing goal by solomon asante so uh you know another game another goal dominic i mean that, the, that's, that's the something that i would do take this because oh, yeah. <laughs> you can go back and look at it and solomon asante is the quicker guy he's the quickest guy on the pitch right there i was expecting him to take a touch and split split Hume and Contour, the two backs, and then, you know, get one-on-one -on -one with the goalie and try to score it from close range. But instead, he just has the audacity to chip. And when he takes that, that shot, this is not like the keeper is absolutely terribly out of position, like, like up at the edge of the box. You know, he's maybe like nine yards out. He, he's not unreasonably yeah, he's out. Yeah, like eight or nine yards, exactly. And Asante just takes a crack at it anyways and the, again like the keeper's reaction wasn't even terrible he, he was already moving backwards i'm going in super slow-mo right now he was already back at the six yard box when the ball is like at the edge of the box but asante just put so much pace on this and you're right so much toss spin too because you know if you look at it in slow-mo the keeper thinks ah oh, this is fine and all of a sudden he's turning his shoulders like oh my goodness what is happening right now and he doesn't even come close to it it's several feet over his head easily in the net in the post-game press presser uh, Sante was asked about it um, he said he was asked did you see the keeper out he said yeah of course before I got the ball I was looking at the keeper and I didn't think of anything I just decided to go for the goal and I don't know I don't know how many players on this team could have made that, that goal and and I can tell you that if that would have happened with uh, Didier Drogba he would have tried that goal uh, he would have tried, definitely probably tried that as well, but that ball would have ended up in the parking lot, and it, it, it did several times <laughs> during his tenure with Phoenix Rising. Uh, but what what a banger. It was just fantastic for Asante. It was great to see. To be fair, Drago came very close a few times on, on chances like that. but it Close really... to the parking lot? Yeah, exactly. No! 
Don't be ridiculous. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just. 2017 playoffs. You go back and watch that match. He almost scored one from midfield that would have won us the game in regulation. Super close. Um. No, but what audacity! This is this is the Drogba mentality, though. Not a lot of guys would have the, you know, the idea to even take that, and then to have that technique and bang it in. The comments on Bleacher Report are super derogatory. They're like, ah, this is Farmers League, you know, know, terrible defending. But just to have the skill to hit it from 35 yards out like that on a one-time, no margin for error. I saw a poll, which goal was better, this one, or uh, the John goal last week. And I was surprised that a majority of people said the John one because, yeah, the pass is an amazing pass on that goal, but I think the tech technique on this one is is tougher so i give it not to this i i I think the john goal is better but i i respect both of them maybe the john goal is more like is more like beautiful because it's a great pass and a one time but the i think the technique on this is exceptional you sold me on that that's exactly what it is is that yeah this was a great individual effort um, and, and a great technique on a ball to, to get it to dip in the way that it did. Um, you know, but a, a goal running at full speed, diving forward, uh, that wins it in my book. Uh, all right, Kyle, so moving on. Kyle, what's your take? Which one? Break the tie. Uh, you gotta, you got to break the tie. You're right. I, I got to go with the John goal for the same reasons as Aaron, just because it is, it's, it's the run of play. I mean, with, with this goal against OC, it's, I mean, it's a mistake by the OC defender um, and a hopeful ball by Mala, but I mean, it's still wonderful technique balls of brass by Sante. But I mean, yeah, you, you got to go to that, that Musa John goal. I mean, it's, that one's just, just, a highlight reel one. I mean, both of these are, are highlight reel when you really look at it. But uh, I think the other one, as we talked about, just a more beautiful goal from Musa to John. All right. So moving on, uh, seeing that I was right. Um, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> uh, we had a 50, uh, 53rd minute Kalistri shot. It was a great save by McLean. Um, really well done to, to save the ball on the back post. Uh, John Beccaro moves the ball up the, the right uh, the right hand side. He's practically on um, on the sideline as he's he's moving up. Makes a beautiful pass, one that I think um, that if this was the beginning of the season would have woken us up to uh, Beccaro's talents. Uh, but at this point now it's understood. Uh, Beccaro plays it across, finds the foot of Kalistri uh, on the left hand side of the six yard box. McLean makes a diving save. Uh, to prevent Bacaro from, uh, I'm sorry, to prevent Kalisti from uh, from getting a brace, uh, just a great shot. Definitely would have uh, added insult to injury for the OC team, and we probably all would have been wondering if we should be celebrating a fourth goal, uh, like the U.S. women. Anyway, uh, in the 60th minute, we have a Mala foul. Uh, shout out to the U.S. women's team for another win today. Uh, 60th minute, we have a Mala foul. Mala kind of gets burned by uh, Vinicius, is able to keep the, the 
keep the OC player out of the box, fouls him right before getting into the box. That's where Mala picks up his yellow card. I got to tell you, a good, solid professional foul shows the maturity of Mala uh, to be able to do that kind of work outside of the box. Uh, if this was last season, I'm wondering if that uh, if he allows Vinicius in the box and we would have ended up having a penalty, ruining our free car washes for the day. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, I agree. I think that, yeah, other times we it is it is close and possibly we do draw a penalty there, but just composed and we're fortunate. And like you said, car washes for everyone. So uh, can't complain. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think the reason it was a yellow card is probably more with the spot that it happened than there actually being significant contact on Venetius. But, you know, it's, it's a professional foul and, you know, we're, 3-0 and the defense just handled its business so well yesterday I mean to only concede one shot on target and I felt like so many times they were getting a key interception forcing a key turnover or clearing a ball right before Orange County could put something seriously on target agreed absolutely um Musa picks up a yellow card. Gets a uh, after getting beat up, beaten up. He had several fouls against him. Uh, after getting beaten up a little bit, he's he uh, gets a little bit of revenge uh, with a studs up slide in the 69th minute. Picks up a yellow card. Um, I I'm not going to say that I absolutely 100% think I saw him smirking on the on the TV replay after that. Uh, but he was walking away. Didn't seem so sad about his behavior. Um, and then, uh, Dia comes up in the 76th minute, um, Dia's controlling the ball on the left-hand side, Alston, the OC, uh, uh, captain comes up to challenge him, uh, finds Dia's leg right in the back of his knee, which does something to his ribs, uh, that Alston was down for quite a while, and, uh, Alston comes off of the match. That's it for me, I mean, in terms of any... Nothing else really happened of note, in my opinion, uh, between that 74th minute and the end of the game. Nothing too terribly exciting. Uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about there? Uh, no, I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, great performance by the defense, able to just, as we said, close this match out and just stay, you know, stay focused the full 90 minutes and not switch off, um, as we've seen in the past. And, no, I mean, it, it was just... I think good to see, you know, these other players get on, get some substitute minutes. Good to see Colin Fernandez getting back, at least, you know, coming off the substitute, substitute bench. I think definitely we'll see him over the next two games, just given that we have such a short, you know, turnover between them. But no, I mean, I think this match played out, you know, as, as all of us wanted another, you know, clean sheet. And, you know, we just keep rolling. Yeah, there not much to speak about at the end of this match, except... Um, the ref getting in the way of Orange County trying to attack that one time. That was pretty great. Oh, I, I miss making that note. But do you remember about when that was? I wanted to go back and watch it. It was like the early 70s, maybe like 72nd or 73rd minute. Um, but yeah, they were trying to do a quick counter and the ref perfectly blocked the pass. Yeah, I saw Dylan from uh, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast mention something about that, and uh, I wanted wanted to go in and check it out. Uh, my final my final notes on here: we the three substitutes that we used 
Uh, in the 64th minute, we had uh, Wheeler um, Nayu uh, come in for John Beccaro. 76th minute, we had Colin Fernandez come in for Calistri uh, to give a little bit, I don't know, more of a defensive edge there. Uh, and in the 78th minute, we saw Austin Ledbetter come in for uh, Mustafa Dembouya. Uh Ledbetter from Dembouya, that's a that's an interesting choice because I don't really see Ledbetter as a speedy guy. Uh, Fernandez coming in for Calistri uh, shows that we were kind of done with our attack at that point. Or I don't know, maybe we should change shape even to a 4-4-2. Uh, I, I, we'll have to see if uh, Joe Lowry sees that from uh, in his Rising Tactics recap that'll be out tomorrow on FirebirdSoccer.net. Um, uh, bigger surprises to me is that Mala had a yellow. Uh, he didn't get subbed off. Musa had a yellow, didn't get subbed off. Adam John was coming into some disciplinary issues. He had to have a clean game this match. Otherwise, he was going to be facing a one-game suspension. Uh, and none of those three guys got subbed off. Instead, we saw uh, Fernandez, Wheeler, Amneyu, and uh, Ledbetter. So that was a bit of a surprise to me. I don't know if you guys made note of that or not. Yeah, I, I was aware about John's situation, and I actually brought it up to Dom, you know, why not, you know, at maybe the 65th minute bring – bring Ben Spencer on because at that point, you know, we're already up three nil, um, get Spencer some minutes. But I mean, Sean's must've told John he's, he's got to be a good boy so he can keep playing. And, and he was, so, you know, it, I believe now that that, uh, accumulation drops off. So he's, he shouldn't be, uh, getting suspended for his next yellow. Yep. He's back down to three yellow cards, uh, so that he can, uh, go and continue to foul once more. <laughs> Perfect. You love to see it. So, uh, any any last thoughts? I feel like we covered this pretty well. This was, I mean, we handled our business. We got up 2-0, and there didn't need to be much drama after that, you know? We were just controlling the game. Only seven shots for us, which is a pretty small number, but 58% possession and four shots on target to them only having one. The 58% possession is amazing because when we used to play Orange County the last two years, that's the possession number they would put on us. We would never outpossess them. 464 passes to their 344. Uh, you know, really just a, with, with 81% uh, passing accuracy, uh, it is a tale of almost two different teams. This is a fantastic rising team to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, if, if we want to get statistical, the one that stood out to me, Dom mentioned the only seven shots, but four of those on target, giving us 57% shooting accuracy, which is, I mean, for us, that's awesome. And you compare that to OC's 11 shots, one on target. So uh, I think they were at a 9% shooting accuracy. So we definitely won in that category. Yeah, I mean, just just cool, calm controlling this match i think that's all there is to say about it unless you guys have anything else no let's move on all right so we got two big ones coming up this week and uh the turnaround is going to be almost immediate we play at reno on tuesday june 18th by the time you guys are listening to it it might be hours before kickoff so you know make sure that you're listening to this right when it comes out but uh, yeah, this is this is a very short turnaround against a Reno team that's been playing well lately. Um, they are up to, I believe they're up to top five in the West. Let me they're check the fourth. standings. They're in fourth. 
Yes, so they just had a big win over Los Dos at home, 4-2, and that did put them up at fourth place on 23 points. Always a tough team to beat in their own building. Always a consistent playoff team. And they're, you know, they're in very good form right now. They've, uh, it looks like they've won. Oh, I went back a little bit. They are 3-1-1 one, and one in their last five. Yeah. Yeah, and they put a hurting on Sac Republic in Sacramento. Um, an inconsistent team, which is, you know, how they've been the last few years. They tend to be above average when all said and done, but they definitely have their off nights where they are vulnerable, like when they drew at Tacoma or lost at San Antonio. The difference is they're usually pretty good at home, and that's where we're going to be playing them on a short week, no less. Um, and I'm trying to figure out their home record this year, but they've... They're 4-3-0 so far this year, um, and 2-2-3 uh, two, two away. Um, we, I mean, so undefeated, you... undefeated at home, right? Uh, yeah, it looks that way. Let's see. Yep, they they are undefeated at home this season. Reno is. Yeah, that sounds right. I forget that this this site that I use uses European formatting instead. Um, yeah, it's kind of. If you look at the records, they're six three and five. We're seven two and five. I mean, there we're there's one game that separates us basically. So, uh, whether they're you know you sound well they're fourth in the the conference well he's still separating you know first to uh first to eighth is six points or uh, i'm sorry first to ninth is six points so there's still a lot of uh teams that are stacked at the top of this western conference and it it, it will be big because that result should reno win they will jump into a tie for first place in the western conference yeah i can't tell i, I uh, if and I, if you can tell me, uh, they have two keepers. They've been using both keepers. They have Matt Bersano, uh, the, the uh, uh, um, uh, former San Jose Earthquakes player, and they have JT Mar- uh, Marshankowski. Um, Bersano's played eight matches. Uh, Marshankowski's played six. Uh, very very good performances on both sides. Uh, goals against average for Bersano's 1.37, for Marchinkowski's 1.67, uh, for a team average of 1.5 uh, goals against per match. This is, this is a pretty solid team. That's, But I'll tell you what, the team is led in goals by Brian Brown. Brian Brown is a Jamaican national player, so they will not have Brown, uh, uh, Brown to play with. Um, do we do we know for sure that he? That sounds right. That sounds like he did get called up. But I just want to confirm that he got that he got called up. Um, but yeah, he wasn't in their lineup yesterday, so he must have been called up. So that helps. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this match? I it's, I mean, it's going to be a tight match. Um, just looking back at at Reno's previous results, you know. They they really have been really tight with their teams, and in, in the losses that they've given up, 
Um, they were all to, I think, you know, solid opposition. Salt Lake earlier on in the season on April 6th, and then to a 1-0 loss to El Paso. And then they lose that 3-2 thriller to San Antonio late. So, you know, they've given up matches, but I really think this is going to be a difficult match for Phoenix. We talked about it. They're very tough at home. You know, Phoenix has been fortunate. They've gotten a win and a draw in Reno in the past. But, this, I mean, this is going to be a tough match with just such a short turnaround. I mean, you think the guys probably have at least today off, and then they travel tomorrow for the match that's on Tuesday. So it's it's really going to be tough. There probably won't even be a training session in between, you know, last night's match and, and this match. So it's it's going to be, you know, these guys are going to have to step up. But I think, you know, with Brian Brown being gone, Reno themselves, you know, played last night. So they also have a short turnaround, don't have to travel. But this is going to be one of those critical matches that if we can get something out of it, even a draw, I think we have to be pleased with that result. They are facing kind of very similar circumstances to we are, given that uh, they're missing such a key piece in Brian Brown. We're missing Junior Flemings. Uh, we're also mis- missing Kevon uh, Lambert. But uh, Brown is is their team leader in goals and assists. Uh, so all eyes really will be on the American uh, uh, Corey Herzog on their team, who is uh, this, who is second in goals and assists for them, uh, as well as Raul Mendiola, uh, Seth Cat. Uh, Castle, you know, to see if those those players can step up in the same way that uh, Joey Calistri stepped up for Phoenix Rising. And um, I think it's worth mentioning too that Herzog's form has been better lately. He put in a great goal against San Antonio. He scored yesterday. He scored in the four zero over Vegas. Um, so he's been in good form lately. And Reno has also scored 10 goals in their last three matches. They've scored um, two or more goals in five of their last seven matches in all competitions. So this is going to be the stiffest test that our defense has faced in some time. All right, so that that leads to to the the big question is, um, is a draw enough? Is it, or should I say, is it is a draw the best case scenario? I, I wouldn't say best case. I, best case is the wrong. Of course, a win is best case. But yeah, yeah. You know, are are we going to be satisfied with less than less than a win? I, I mean, it really depends on how the match plays out. You know, if if Reno scores first and we're able to come back and get a goal and level it out and it ends one one, I mean, you have to say that that's that's satisfying enough. But if Phoenix is up. And we concede, you know, late or just make some dumb mistake and give up a goal. Then, I mean, I think we would all feel hard done that, you know, we had three points on the road to an opponent like Reno and let him slip. But, I mean, ultimately, when you're looking at the bigger picture, if we're able to get one point out of this match, I think that's that's still enough. But, I mean, it's really going to depend on how the goals come. I'm, I'm totally fine with one point from this match. You know, you look at this match and you look at OKC on Saturday think OKC is the more winnable match. I think this is the match where we see some rotation. I think we see guys like Wheeler Omino get a start. Um, we'll probably see, you know, maybe we see Ledbetter get a start. Um, probably see Carl get a start. You know, as much rotation as is possible, I would imagine Colin Fernandez gets a start. So, you know, if we... But the key is going to be holding their offense down because I don't think we're going to have 
have the horses to score more than one or two goals at the max in this game. If we're going to win, you know, I think it's possible for us to win, but it would have to be a really scrappy game like last year in Reno where Asante buried a penalty kick right at the end in just a really dry, scrappy game where it was just both teams were kind of thrown off and we got a good break at the end. I would be totally okay with a draw, though. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Um, you know, it would be nice to see some rotation, try, try to keep some guys fresh, especially, you know, they're, they're practically, uh, you know, going to be landing and uh, stepping on the field for the match. It's not quite that bad, but um, it's such a short turnaround. You'd really hate to see a Tuesday match after a Saturday game. Um, I don't understand what the, what the uh, logic behind the, what the scheduling gods are on that. Um, but it is what it is. You know, maybe it's maybe it's something baseball related, but yeah, I would have to say they probably have this something else going on in the stadium in the next day or two after. So maybe the baseball starts on Thursday and they need to get the soccer done on Tuesday or something. But um, in any case, that's why we have a soccer specific stadium on Saturday. Oklahoma City Energy. Uh, is going to be hosting us, and this is a pretty interesting match. They've drawn their last four matches in USL play, five of their last six. Um, they're a team that plays to the level of their opposition, much like Orange County. Well, how do you guys see this one going? Because this is another team that's getting slammed with the Gold Cup departures. Yeah, this is this one is is almost even trickier for me as you mentioned, just with their their amount of draws lately and, and three straight one one draws as well. So I mean, it looks like their defense, you know, there's maybe one opportunity to be had, but it, it doesn't seem like they've given up much. But I, I mean, I, I it for me, it really depends on the lineups that we see. You know, who plays in Reno and then who's able to start versus OKC. I think if we're able to have a lineup. Similar to who we had play last night. I mean, I say we have to be favored. Um, but OKC also, it's been one of those things that they, they have kind of a different surface to play on than what you know Phoenix is going to be used to. I believe they still play it at a high school. So it's it's going to be different for a lot of these Phoenix Rising players from what we've seen, you know, recently. But I, I think ultimately that, you know, Phoenix should have no problem beating OKC just on sheer form. Yeah, I have not seen uh, too terribly much of OKC. I uh, always had a respect for their program. Uh, of course, this is uh, uh, this is the team of uh, Phoenix, you know, favorite to hate Cody Lorendi, uh, the the, keep, the keeper we love to hate, but after the match we think he's a decent guy. Uh, but that's no okay. love lost with Mike Defont. Uh, no love lost with yes, Mike Defont. This is going to be an interesting. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, meet up with him, uh, to see what our back line is, uh, you know, our former back line player there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they got Deshaun Brown and, and, uh, and Gordon who, I, I don't know if, if Deshaun Brown was called up, but I believe Owen Gordon was, um, they uh, the leading score for OKC energy is the Jamaican Deshaun Brown. Uh, the second place score is uh, Owen Gordon of, uh, of, 
Jamaica as well. I believe that he's going to be at the Gold Cup. Uh, followed by that, it's a big fall off in score in scoring. Uh, Cordell Caden or Cordell Cato and Rafael Garcia. Um, the assist leader is Gordon as well. So if if they're missing Gordon for Gold Cup, they're missing their second leading scorer and the guy who creates their goals, uh, who who has six assists. Um, so it's going to be a again another one of those situations where at least we're playing teams that are dealing with missing players in the same way that we are, and they happen to be teammates on the same team, <laughs> on the same that national team. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the roster right now. It looks like Owen Gordon is going to be on their roster. Um, so that yeah, he played last night. That I, I was kind of surprised he did play last night, but he will be out because um, he is on their roster. Yeah, he's a really solid forward. I, I mean, re- really uh, enjoy watching him when I do because he's got a lot of speed. He's very very. Uh, uh, very happy we're not going to be having to deal with him. For sure. Um, any uh, so so what are you guys' predictions for these matches? Let's let's hear them both. Uh, Reno, I think one one would be would be a fair result. Um, I mean, we all set a draw, so I think one one would be would be you know reasonable for this okc match i mean i would think it you know with with gordon gone i would i want to say three one but i mean like i said it really depends on these lineups if we have a lineup similar to last night i have to think you know we're able to get some goals going but uh i would say three one even two one maybe against okc but i i still think we get at least two goals uh, maybe we concede one, but I mean, with how defense has been playing, we might be able to keep it tight. I'm going to be an optimist on the Reno one. And, uh, you know, I think it's two weeks ago, I would have probably said we lose this, but I think we will get a draw here. This is probably the match that ends our scoreless streak. Um, but I think one, one is, is the right result. I think Carl's going to make a couple huge saves to keep it at 1-1, um, he'll, he'll help us secure that result with a absolutely awesome performance. And then OKC is just struggling to score goals. They are really, really struggling to score goals, even against teams that are not the class of USL. So, you know, they had a home draw 0-0 against LA Galaxy. They beat Colorado Springs 1-0. You know, Monarchs, they only score one against, and Monarchs has been a leaky defense. I like our chances to get a, I'll say 2-0 in OKC. I think we can shut them out. And okay. they're, they're a stingy defense. I could see it being 1-0 even, but we find a way to break them down, and they just can't score very much. So I'm going to put the Reno match at 2-2. Uh, I think we, uh, I think we, we score too early and, and, uh, um, they come back. I think we may have an issue a, a little bit with the altitude, um, up there, uh, for the OKC match. I think this is, I, I'm, as I'm looking at their game log against teams with offensive power, they do give up goals, uh, 4-1 to Sacramento, 3-3 to Reno. I think we're, we're winning this match 3-1. to 
All right, let's. Uh, I, I could see it. I mean, I think for us to score three against OKC, we would need to get at least one or two goals off of things not in the run of play, like set piece or a penalty kick or an own goal. I, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking a nutmeg goal on Mike DeFont if he plays. So. Uh, <laughs> Mike DeFont, OG. Yes. Scoring for the rising again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. The scenes if that happened. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, listeners, for not having too much diversity in our predictions. Uh, we all see it being a draw on Tuesday and a win on Saturday, and we'll see if that happens in real life. Next up, we have a couple team news things to get to, and then we'll finish off with USL scores and standings. Um, The biggest team news is Ramon Howell is signed from Nashville SC. When you see the Nashville SC, you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy is, you know, he has some time over there. This could be cool. But this dude is really... He's really green. Like, he doesn't have much experience. This guy played in college all four years up through seven, 2017. He played some PDL with Des Moines Menace. He got three appearances with Nashville. That's it. He actually got loaned down to uh, UPSL International Internashville squad. Um, and now we just signed him. I wonder if he gets a start on Tuesday. But I think this is... It's just a depth signing until Kavon comes back. See, I I was wondering if he would be starting Tuesday prior to last night. Um, but the fact that he doesn't even, you know, he's on the bench last night, but he doesn't come on as a sub kind of makes me think that he won't, you know, see see the field Tuesday. But, you know, maybe maybe Rick Schantz was just waiting to give him, you know, that opportunity in that match. I guess we'll have to see. But as you said, I mean, very green. You know, when we signed him after looking him up, you're almost like, who? Because it's, I mean, he really has nothing nothing on him. But, you know, maybe there's some potential there. We'll have to wait and see. It's it's surprising that he didn't even get subbed on in last night's match when we were up 3-0. If there was a yeah. low-pressure situation to bring him on, that would be the situation. Yeah, and that, that was my thought. You know, he, he is a midfielder. So, I mean, I know that, you know, Fernandez came on for him, but um, I would have almost brought on Hal for Kalistri, you know, and, and just give him, a, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and seeing what he could do. Yeah, guys, but let's bring this back to uh, Mike DeFont. I mean, <laughs> how do you do that to a guy? You know, we kind of have some good jokes with it about the DeFont situation, but, you know, the reality is I don't, I still, I don't think the, te- the team did did right by him and i think if you put howell on and you leave spencer um on the bench or you leave um Neyu on the bench or something like that that's not good for team chemistry to bring to give a guy minutes who just barely showed up so uh this to me is a depth signing just like you said he's got two appearances he's played 17 minutes at any at any reasonable professional style level um i i think this is a guy who warms a seat uh, and is a he, this is the third uh, he's the third goalie, you know, for for NHL, right? He, he's the local guy that both teams have to hire and, and who sits in you know sits in the stands in case somebody gets injured, uh, like that accountant did. Uh, I forget for which team last I think, year. I think the Blackhawks last year. Oh, that, that guy's my hero. It's like some accountant. 
who comes off of you know ticking and tying general ledgers and and or, or doing tax returns gets gets a call and he's like bring your stuff to the stadium <laughs> it's great hey phoenix um, if you if you need a third keeper emergency keeper hit me up Aaron, yeah can you vouch for me in small goal <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, we got to get you out on Thursdays, man. Uh, I, I got to make sure to, to to get you out there. We we need some. Uh, um, well, we need anything because we just haven't won in a long ass time. <laughs> we're not we're not any good, but we have a good time. So the anti Phoenix rising. Uh, <laughs> basically, speaking of standings, <laughs> we are the Tacoma Defiance of, of small goal soccer. Hashtag defy expectations. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, cool cool depth signing, I guess, with Ramon Howell. The other big thing is the Adam John opening goal last week ended up getting USL goal of the week. Despite a spirited effort from everyone in the Luton United front office uh, voting 70 million times, Eventually, Sanity came back to the world, and Phoenix Rising wins this goal of the week. Um, and that's that's absolutely deserved, because it was pretty clearly the best of those choices. Um, I, I don't know what was going on with that Luden choice from Griffin Yao. I mean, it was a decent goal, but it wasn't even the second best of those options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just shows, you know, internet bots can take over. Um <laughs> But thankfully, we didn't let them win. Don't let the darkness overtake the light. <laughs> and um, another thing, so we had the Junior Flemings. Junior Flemings made USL Team of the Week, and Asante got honorable mention. Which, I mean, that's so arbitrary because Asante, all he does is score a goal and two assists, and he's getting honorable mention. I mean, that's that's when you say man people just take him for granted but Flemings with a brace got team of the week and really you could have put any one of our guys in there for at least honorable mention um you know amazing shame on the USL for robbing Zach Lubin of a nomination for that save at the end of the the game against RGB um or against Tulsa excuse me that was a beautiful save probably the best save in USL that week. So, I mean, to not even be nominated is ridiculous. But Anything there? No, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, ridiculous for Lubin not to get that nomination. Um, the only thing I could say is maybe USL just thinks they can't nominate Phoenix for everything. But, you know, with how we're playing, I think we, uh, we deserve it. So, no, no, I mean... So there's been 14 weeks in the season. Phoenix Rising players have been featured in player honors for 10 of the 14 weeks. Uh, So, you know, we're we're doing pretty well. Um, My bigger surprise on Team of the Week, which was not because he didn't deserve it, but Week 12, Jose Aguinaga uh, ends up in the Team of the Week for his uh, two-assist performance he totally deserved it but this this uh league tends to reward goals over assists in major ways um so i don't know maybe that's why asante didn't you know 
didn't make the final team of the week. You uh, you don't love to see it, but I mean, there have been so many guys for Phoenix Rising playing their hearts out lately. It's you can't have the like half the whole thing be Phoenix Rising guys, um, <laughs> or else all the Eastern Conference fans will complain about it. So, um, but I, I think good to uh, see some of our guys getting the recognition they deserve. And any other thoughts before we? Oh, I guess I guess one last thing is Jamaica plays on. Is it Monday? I think they play. Yeah, I think they play on Monday. So you guys might already have seen this match by the time you are hearing this episode, but they play on Monday at 6.30, and I'm actually going to look up their whole Gold Cup schedule because Kavon Lambert will probably feature in multiple matches, and maybe Flemings comes on as a substitute. So you, you definitely... I mean, the, the game tomorrow will be over with by the time anybody hears this. That's Jamaica-Honduras. On Friday at 4 p.m., Jamaica plays El Salvador. And on Tuesday, the 25th at 5 p.m., Jamaica plays Curacao. And all these matches should be on FS1 or Unimas. So there are options whether you want to watch it on cable or network TV. Um this looks like a fun group, but that's a whole other discussion. Honduras, El Salvador, Curacao, Jamaica. Probably the best balanced group in the Gold Cup. So definitely go give uh, give those matches a watch. And hopefully Lambert and Flemings do some cool stuff. And at this point, we will wrap things up with USL scores and standings. And then some brief final thoughts. Um, Aaron, any scores pop out to you this weekend well there's one score but i think probably we should hold that off to the last uh uh and uh that's las vegas new mexico um reno la four to reno puts up four on la uh you know we kind of talked about that in the preview a little bit it gets me a little bit antsy uh seeing reno scoring but uh you know we kind of already discussed that a little bit um, OKC drawing with San Antonio. That's a little wacky because San Antonio is terrible. Uh, our buddy Harry, who's out there on the t- in, on the Twitterverse, is just really down on San Antonio this year. Um, so th- that was a big surprise to me. Well, in, for San Antonio, it was a stoppage time equalizer too. So very late in the match, they stole a point. But I mean, for them, it's you know to be able to do that is is a victory at this point. Speaking of moral victories, Tacoma Defiance getting a one-one away draw in Austin. Yeah, that is, that is a yeah that I raised my eyebrows. That is, that is a big result for them. Justin Dillon with the goal, and then uh, Kleber who missed our match against Austin earlier this year at the equalizer. Tacoma gets a late red card, but they hang on for the one-one draw. Um, Tacoma's starting to be a little scrappy down there at the bottom and drawing some teams. Uh, we also have RGV with a nice 3-0 over Colorado Springs. They're keeping themselves in the playoff hunt. And it was all in the second half. A late brace for Carlos Small. They're a, they're a fun team to watch, and that'll be tricky when we have to go out there. And, and another tough run of play for... Uh... Uh, for the Tulsa Roughnecks, 
lose two to nothing against El Paso. El Paso quietly putting together a very, very solid season. Uh, we'll talk about it more when we hit the st- the standings. But uh, El Paso is currently ranked second in the standings behind Phoenix Rising. And uh, I don't think that that was anything that I expected. Thought that they that they could do okay, but um, this this uh, what is it? Is it Jerome uh, Keysweater is uh, really leading this team into uh, some some really really major successes. Team and the league in goals. So oh, is he that. the gold? Is he the golden boot leader right now? Well, tied at top at ten with Freighter, but he has ten in ten games. So, I mean, you can kind of – I for me, he's leading just due to the fact that he's done it in such a short span. Yeah. I'm calling him the Fox because he's got 10 <laughs> goals and 10 appearances. He's the 10 at 10. <laughs> Fox News. There you go. <laughs> or Fuchs in German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, can, he can go Fuchs off. Um, <laughs> hey, U.S. national team legend. This guy has two caps for us. Bring him to the Gold Cup. Is it too late? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it too late to for Burhalter to make that call? Man, that would that would have been useful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just they just keep rolling. That crazy train is looking like a bullet train over in in China right now. The way it's zooming. Zooming through the Western Conference, and they have a home match against Las Vegas Lights, so you're going to just chalk three more points up for them. You know, I, I'm i going to take this moment as a victory lap. Not many people thought that El Paso would do anything this season, and I had them as a playoff team. You can go back. You can read the Firebird Soccer Western Conference preview. You can listen to our uh, our preseason predictions. I had El Paso as a playoff team getting almost 50 points so the haters can go suck it because i was a believer in el paso i was on the crazy train before the crazy train even left the station um and then uh of course we do have the the final match which was just really surprising uh las vegas lights put up five on new mexico united uh give us some great assistance in the standings as well um this was their their uh, uh, dollar beer night ripoff, two dollar tequila night slash bail me out of jail or pump my stomach or take me to the hospital night at uh, at uh, um, that Cashman Field out there. <laughs> Lights put up five, including which did admittingly include two in garbage time. Uh, there was a 90-minute goal and another goal, I think, at 90-plus-4. But it was 3-0 um, right after halftime. I mean, you can't say these were fluke goals. Vegas took it to New Mexico in this match. You know, just fuel a crowd with alcohol, ply them with booze, and uh, somehow that energy just turns up and works for people. Look at these stats, though. Vegas has 35% possession they get out past 661 to 360, and they win 5-1. I don't think I've ever seen that much of a possession disparity where the team with more possession gets blown out. I've seen the team yeah. with more possession lose, 
but it'll usually be like a heartbreaking, like a 2-1 or something. I've never seen a team get that much more possession and still get blown out like that. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, sometimes it depends on how how quickly the other team comes up and then, then everybody just plays Bunker Bob ball, uh, you know, but that's not really the case here. They did go up. Uh, Las Vegas scores um, uh, first in the 32nd minute, but actually scores twice in the 40th minute. Um, well, 40. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They score. They score in the 40th minute off of a off of a looks like a penalty rebound, and then they open up the the second. Uh, then they open up the second half to score the third goal. So, I mean, it is one whole half of ball where the game is pretty much over. Very similar to what we had last night. And uh, interesting stuff too. You know, New Mexico sits Kavon Freider for this match. They sub Santi Moore off early. Um, I want to see exactly how early he got subbed off. I mean, I'm all for New Mexico having a great cup run because this is just more league matches that they're throwing, basically. I mean, Santi Moore and Sandoval get subbed off in the 57th minute. Freider came in for Sandoval. But, yeah, they're, I mean, they're trying to rest guys, but it it's going to cost them in the league. Weehan only came on for a late substitution. He's usually uh, a starter for them. So, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, there was no doubt. You know, they were tired and just, just worn out from that midweek open cut match. And like you said, I mean, they got another one coming up against Dallas. Quick turnaround, and yeah, we'll take it. I mean, they're dropping points right now, and, and for us, we're able to capitalize that and get up to first. So, I mean, it's exactly the result that as a phoenix fan we needed and that i don't i don't want to uh, diminish their u.s open cup because what they've done in the open cup is one of the best open cup runs by a western conference team probably the best open cup run by a usl western conference team since i started following the usl which was only in 2017 so take that with a grain of salt but They've beaten three of the four professional four-corner region teams, all on the road. And they are the last team in the four-corners region left in U.S. Open Cup. I mean, and all of their wins, they've had a comeback goal in the last 15 minutes. Two of them, they've had a comeback goal in the last five minutes. You know, and they go on the road to beat an MLS team, which I don't think any USL teams have done since 2017. I don't believe so. I don't believe that they any USL teams have won on the road. No, and it, it's been, I mean, it's been very impressive. And as you talked about, they've showed nothing but heart throughout this entire Open Cup run. And I mean, it, I, I'm not only rooting for New Mexico from a Phoenix perspective, but also, as you said, just from a USL Division Two perspective and that, you know, we're able to go up to the MLS level and make noise. Um, I mean, it's it's great to see, and it's I think it just speaks about the level of play of this league. It's elevated so much from where it's been in the past. Yeah, it, it, it was a fun fun match to watch. I even let Eli stay up late uh, to to watch penalty kicks. Um, he was actually upstairs in bed in bed when I went to penalties, and I I woke him up and he didn't come down to watch. Uh, so. Yeah, you, 
you want to see that kind of a thing. You know, you can always argue about you know certain legitimacies of of the the lineups that that the upper the higher division team could play. You know, that's the excuse that you know Phoenix Rising fan might use for the the Sporting Arizona loss. Um, you know, or, or and any other team, and and there is the fact that the Rapids are like the worst team in MLS. But well, the reality, but they've actually they've actually been better the last month. They had four wins and a draw in their last five MLS matches going into that Open Cup match. I mean, granted, they were absolutely bottom of the barrel before that, but they've been on good form lately. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't follow them enough, except for there is, there's a guy uh, used to be called the Rapids Rabbi, uh, Mark, uh, Mark, Rabbi Mark Goodman. He's on uh, on Twitter, and so he's at Rapids Rabbi, and so. You know, I get to feel all of his heartbreak when, when he talks terrible trash about the Rapids. Uh, he has since moved to, I believe, Pittsburgh. Uh, so he's a Riverhounds guy now, but he still follows the Rapids. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a uh, it's a great human interest story. You know, New Mexico success. Like FC Cincinnati in 2017, I mean... It's it's kind of weird all the similarities between New Mexico this year and FC Cincinnati a couple of years back, but it's it's a dang shame that they don't get to have a home match. Apparently, it's because the New Mexico front office didn't apply any of their stadiums in the area to be a home venue for Open Cup, which, if that's the case, that is a colossal screw up by their front office how can you deny fans that opportunity even if you're thinking that you're going to get knocked out in the first round you still have to at least register a venue even if it's the local new mexico lobos soccer complex i mean you got to do something because albuquerque is too big of a city to not have one venue that meets ussf qualifications i know that that lobo soccer soccer complex meets the qualifications for USSF and uh, to not even register it. I, I don't understand that because they're, they're really getting denied that, that moment that since he had in 2017, where it just elevated interest in USL nationwide. Absolutely. And I mean, we absolutely would see a better crowd at New Mexico than we would see in this Dallas match. I mean, we can say that right now without a doubt. So, yeah, it is ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, Phoenix played at, what was it, Mesa Community College or Gilbert Mesa Community College last year. So it's like to to be able to have to, you know, not be able to have a home match for New Mexico. I think it's just it's killer for them. And I mean, especially for the team to have to travel as much as they have. It was pretty awesome that how they took over uh, the Rapids Stadium, though. I mean, uh, big props to all the New Mexico fans. The curse out there doing a really great job uh, getting, you know, getting that sort of rocking and rolling. Yeah, I, they've done an amazing job traveling, and I would imagine that next year they're going to get this sorted out. It's probably something where, with the Isotopes Park, there are a lot of conflicts with baseball. And they probably just figured, look, you know, open cup. What are the odds that we actually get past the first round or two? You know, it's not the it's not that big of a deal if we just have one or two away matches. Well, now they're on their fourth away match with no possibility of a home match before the semifinals, and they might need to apply for a special exception to get a home match should they reach the semifinals. Um, 
So it, it that's what's sad is, you know, they could go on a run where they have to play five away matches in a row and then lose in the quarterfinals because they have to play a fifth consecutive away match. The fans, the fans deserve to have that moment, and the team deserves to have a moment where they're playing in front of their fans, in front of 20, 25,000 people, which they would get if they were able to play in the New Mexico football stadium. Yeah, preach. Um, but, you know, that'll be, that'll be their FO's um, mess to fix, I guess, moving forward. Still, you know, hats off to the boys. Hats off to Freighter for making the most of his opportunities over there. And uh, hats off to them for benching a lot of the starters in USL because now we're in first. Let's run down those standings and wrap this thing up. All right. So Phoenix Rising uh, sits in first, uh, seven two and five. Uh, great run of play, five straight wins in their in the past five matches. Followed, tied with El Paso Locomotive, uh, winning on gold on gold differential. So Phoenix Rising and El Paso both at twenty six points. New Mexico United with twenty five points, uh, uh, one point back. Reno. Portland Timbers with 23 points, taking the fourth and fifth slots. In sixth position is OKC Energy with 22. Right behind them is Fresno FC with 21. Another point behind it in tied is Sacramento Republic in Austin Bold, with Sacramento winning on goal differential. And rounding up off your playoff table is Rio Grande Valley with 19 points. Two other teams sit at 19 points. That's Las Vegas Lights and Orange County. Uh, losing out to Rio Grande Valley based on goal differential. LA Galaxy in 13th position, Tulsa Roughnecks, San Antonio Real Monarchs, Colorado Spring Switchbacks, and the lowly, lonely Tacoma Defiance sitting in 18th place with a 2-11-4 record on 10 points. You're, uh, you're starting to see teams um, become more comfortable in their spots and now we've had almost half of the usl season you know for new mexico they're at 16 matches already so they're really right there on half the season but teams are getting more comfortable in their spots you're starting to see a top class in the western conference emerge and it's you know it's looking like the top five are cut above the rest phoenix el paso new mexico reno and timbers too who has only played 13 matches um, so they'll have a chance to move up. Everyone else below them, you know, maybe Fresno can pick up some points, get up into that top tier. Maybe Sacramento can do that. But right now they're not there. OKC has pretty consistently shown that they're mediocre. They might drop into that bottom tier, you know, outside the top six. So they might stay in that sixth spot, just grinding out wins over bad teams. Um, and then you have the group that's going to be fighting for those last couple playoff spots. And there are a couple teams in that group I would not have expected. You look at OC, Vegas Lights, San Antonio, um, and then on, on the other end of the spectrum, RGV, Austin Bold, and uh, Los Dos are part of this this chase too. So there's going to be a huge dogfight for those last spots. And really, other than other than Colorado Springs and Tacoma, everyone has at least some chance in the west of of getting one of those 
final two or three playoff spots. You can't you can't really make excuses for some of the teams that are down there in that, you know, 11, 12 range like Orange County. They are who they are. They're going to be a mediocre team. They're going to be scraping to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a great point and I mean, you absolutely you know, you could say that the Las Vegas, Rio Grande, Orange County, I think for me, those three especially are going to be right there. Um, but, I mean, there is still plenty of opportunity for a team like San Antonio or Tulsa to, you know, turn things around and, and be able to get up near the playoff conversation. Definitely looking forward to seeing uh, seeing some more uh, separation in these uh, these standings, though. I mean, it's it's really going to be a hell of a run. Uh, it's also interesting with this sort of um, uh, the the home and home scheduling that we have is we're done with our divisional rival Orange County. Like, we're not yes. even halfway through the season, and we won't see them again until next year unless we see them in the playoffs. So it's very interesting, sort of the 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 way that the schedule works out for us. Good riddance, man. Yeah, yeah. I can honestly say I'm glad. Um, like we talked about, I mean, they're just always a physically physical team and just annoying. And to not have to, you know, play them again until possibly playoffs, good riddance. I'm with you there. And to win our uh, our podcast bet, 42 on aggregate. Yes. That's beautiful. So we're going to be debt collecting Orange County Soccer Cast. Um, we'll have to work out some terms there if you guys are you know, too embarrassed to give us a too worried that your guys' fans' ears are going to start bleeding the way Venetius was internally bleeding every time he dove last night. <laughs> hey, Dylan, just want to let you know I really enjoyed hanging out with you last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, they, they, they're good people. Some of them, I assume, are good people. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you know a debt's a debt and we're coming for that pod <laughs> so um yeah i mean it's uh it's it's crazy that they're down there but a lot of season left and uh, a fun week ahead and any final thoughts for you guys yeah i mean it is gonna be a fun week i mean um it's you know it's gonna be a difficult you know, difficult run of two matches, but we get to have two matches in, in six days. And uh, that doesn't come often, so we need to enjoy them. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a bit of a rough week here. Um, two matches, there's going to be uh, some extra doses of um, uh, blood pressure medicine going into my cereal each morning. <laughs> Honestly, that's... That's cool, though, because the way that we're playing, to get to see this team twice in a week is such a treat. I mean, we're just blowing the doors off teams. That's now, I want to say that's now 12 goals unanswered um, in the league. Um, so that, I mean, just a crazy accomplishment that these guys have had and the way that they're playing. It's the best that Phoenix Rising fans have ever seen this team play even with Drogba in the lineup so um 
yeah, we're 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 really looking forward to that. And uh I don't know, it's just it's it's insane how good of a mood I'm in every time Phoenix is playing. So I think that does it for this week. We will be back next week to recap two matches and then to take a little break because we're going to have a bye week after this this doubleheader coming up. Um, oh, no, I, I misspoke. There's going to be a home match on the 29th against Timbers 2. Then we get that bye week. So lots of rising football to come. And uh, you guys know where to turn for all the information. Rising as one podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items, just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. This is Dominic here with a very special guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, this is Phil from Across the Pitch. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing awesome. As we're recording right now, it's 2-0 to the good guys at halftime. What are your thoughts on this game so far? Well, it makes it a little bit easier where the opponent scores for you, but it's been complete domination by the Phoenix Rising. This has been one of their better halves. Even without Junior Fleming's in the lineup, Joey Calistri has come in and scored a goal, so that has really showed the depth of the roster here so far. And it's been especially impressive for Phoenix this season considering we lost a key contributor up top. Didn't you do an interview with Chris Cortez? Yeah, we just talked to Chris. It was uh, about a week and a half ago that we talked to him, and that interview came out on Monday. He has gone over to the Thai League, where he's currently playing for Ayataya United. He's with them on loan right now until June 30th. After that, he's looking at either going back to the club that he's signed with, which is Chonbury FC of the Thai League, but he's actually looking at trying to get out of his contract in Thailand and possibly either move to Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Korea, or even possibly come back and finish out the season in the USL. But he's a guy that's really looking to make a name for himself overseas right now. Wow, and um, I mean, that's huge news. What was another tidbit from that interview that people need to know about? Well, I mean, with Chris, I think the the biggest thing is that he is a guy that's fully committed to his career in football, where he's, he's a guy where he's making his decisions in life based on what's best for his football career. He's talked about how, you know, there's a lot of other guys that uh, maybe have 
families and, and things like that. I think he's just fully focused on his football career and what he could do to, to advance that. The other really interesting thing that he told us was just about the tie league in general uh, is the amount of respect that the players have for one another and that he, he really appreciates the way that, that the teams respect each other and even the supporters, where the supporters will even congratulate the visiting team when they go and go on and off of the field and it's just such a level of respect that you don't see in very many other countries and that was one of the most interesting things that, that Chris told us about huh so you guys can uh, you guys have this at across the pitch right yeah across the pitch.com is our website uh, you can find us on Facebook across the pitch at across pitch on Twitter or we're on uh, uh, also on Spotify, iTunes, uh, just search across the pitch. You'll find us. We talk about the Phoenix Rising. We talk about leagues from all around the world. And we also focus on the EFL leagues, the EFL Championship, EFL League 1, EFL League 2. Who's your uh, team of the month right now? Or do you have a team of the month? Uh, our team of the month right now is Minnesota United, and they just knocked off Sporting KC in the uh, the U.S. Open Cup, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Their next game in that competition is coming up against Houston Dynamo, who is actually the team that knocked them out last year. Sporting KC had knocked them out the year before, so they have a chance to get revenge. Two rounds in a row, up the loons, and hello to Callum Williams, our friend over at the Minnesota United announcer. That's awesome. So you guys get some great interviews recently with Minnesota United. In past months, a lot of people over in, in England. What's one interview that people need to listen to, just off the top of your head? An interview that really sticks out to me uh, is the interview that we did with Brett Ormerod, who is the uh, the former striker for Blackpool, Accrington, Stanley, Southampton, a number of teams over in the uh, in England. He actually played at all four levels, all the way up through the Premier League. But what really stuck out about that interview was just the way that, that he was so candid in his answers uh, and really. Uh, especially when talking about things like the situation with uh, uh, Owen Oyston, the, the Blackpool owner who has since finally been kicked out, and, and he just really gave some candid answers. And, and that was an incredible interview with a guy who once again played at all four levels and also scored a winning goal for Blackpool that got them to the Premier League from the championship. Wow. I am definitely going to check that out. I recommend all our listeners check that out. And one last question since we got you here. Do you think Phoenix Rising is going to win the West this year? You know, the, the thing that impresses me the most is over their last four games before tonight, they had outscored their opponent 16-3. to They have a plus 13 goal difference over the past four games. Add in two more tonight. They're plus 15 over their past four and a half games now. 11 straight goals. 
New, New Mexico United, they can certainly score the ball, but they're not stopping anybody. They're, uh, they're only mid-pack in terms of goals allowed. So I, I think that in terms of the team that's the best on offense and on defense in the Western Conference, it's without a doubt the Phoenix Rising. That's what we love to hear. Thank you so much for your time, Phil. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, also just wanted to give a quick shout-out to my co-hosts Aaron Ayers and Matt Robards. Beautiful stuff. Listen to them on Spotify and all the other podcasting apps. Have a good one.